In today's show, we're looking at the Phoenix Suns for fantasy basketball, sleepers, busts, breakouts. Michael Poulton. Poulton? No, Michael Bolton. He's ready to break out. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We are here to talk about the Phoenix Suns earlier today. I discussed the Suns from a local perspective with Brendan Clean of Locked On Suns. So go and check out that show on YouTube or wherever you get your audio podcasts. And you can hear us talk about rotation decisions and what to expect from this team. And now let's dig into the fantasy stuff for this squad. Um, and let's look at their schedule. First off, 51 quality games. Bang, average, right on. 51 of them. That is the standard amount. They've got 14 back-to-backs, which is above average. Chris Paul is not going to routinely sit back-to-backs. If he does get injured, that can be a problem. We know that. But uh, yeah, 14 back-to-backs is fine. Remember, when we're talking back-to-backs, the range in the NBA season is 15 to 12. It's not a huge, huge amount that they're playing. It's not a huge range difference. It's yeah, the most plays 15, the worst plays 12. It's three different during the year. It's not a massive problem. But yeah, it's worth mentioning. And then in the playoffs, the Suns have um, just 10 games in the default Yahoo playoffs, a 4-3-3 schedule. It's not great. 12 is the most over those three weeks, which ends April the 3rd. But in my default players, which end March the 20th, they have 11 games, which is the most of any team. And it's a 3-4-4 with four of those games, of course, coming in championship week. So a pretty good playoff schedule for the Phoenix Suns if you are going to be using my um, my recommended uh, playoff schedule. That's pretty good there. So overall, their schedule is solid enough with a little bit of a downside there for players. But again, as I will say continually... Unless you have a two-game week in the playoffs, I'm not overly perturbed by making decisions based on where they sit in the playoffs at uh, at at this point. I don't, yeah, not really, not massively uh, concerned about that part of it. Let's look at pressure points, and that is things that can impact the projections for this upcoming season. Aiden was very DeAndre Aiden was very passive in the regular season. Saw the usage drop. He never gets free throws. He didn't decide he was going to take threes or anything. And his numbers dropped significantly. Like, he was not particularly good from a fantasy point of view. Aiton went from, you know, an easy second-round guy to outside the top 50 in category leagues. He only played under 31 minutes a night. But in the playoffs, he did ramp it up. So I'm hoping that it's sort of a blend between those two. But it might not be. He might go back to being that passive guy that we saw during the regular season who doesn't get free throw attempts, who has low usage and is not blocking shit tons of shots. He was at 18% usage last year. Maybe he goes back to that. I think he can step back into the top 50, but not back into the top 24 where he was prior. But that's going to just depend on how aggressive he is. The other thing, I do think that Jay Crowder starts. But as we spoke about with Brendan, Cam Johnson could move into that role. It was 28 to 24 minutes, Crowder versus Johnson last season. That could very easily change this year and move into a situation um, where it's 26 apiece or Johnson plays 28 and Crowder plays 25. 
I think both those guys. We'll talk about. I'll talk about Aiden in a sec. Back to Aiden in a second, actually, because I should have mentioned more about him. But with Crowder and Johnson, I think both guys are worthy back end twelve team league guys. Guys you take with your last pick. There is way more upside in Johnson. I don't think Crowder's going to play thirty two, but Johnson could go from twenty four to thirty, whereas Crowder could go from twenty eight to twenty four. So the, the while you might look at them both as they sit very similarly. One's got upside, one doesn't. So if I'm taking them, I'll probably look at Johnson over Crowder, but it also depends on my team. If I've got some other upside risky guys, maybe I do take Crowder and get his two and a half threes there coming off the bench. And Crowder can produce more in some other areas usually. Johnson probably is a better rebounder, but it's not you know, not a huge, huge difference there between the two. And both of those guys, Cam and Crowder, are much worse in points leagues. As for Aiton, I think that you're looking at him as like a third-round center in category leagues this year. I do think that there is a bit of a step up. I think he plays more than those 30 and a half minutes that he did last year. 32-33, that's enough to bump him into, at the very worst, fourth-round territory in that top 45 type zone or, or back inside the top 35. I, I think that's a possibility. I have no problem taking that risk of getting him there. But there is a the, the, the risk there is, again, that he's just not playoff Aiton. And then the last thing is Chris Paul's injury. It's really hard to decide to draft guys based on, you know, they're going to get hurt. I'm not drafting this player because I think he's going to sprain his ankle. Like, you can't do that sort of thing. But in saying that, as I will say all the time, the more seasons you have without missing a game, the closer you are to your next injury. It just is how it works. Chris Paul had lots of injuries in his career. And the last two years, I think he's missed three games combined in the regular season. That is just making it way more likely that he is going to miss some time this year. He had the wrist surgery in the playoffs. He had hamstring problems throughout his career. We know this. Knee issues. If you had to set a bar, does Chris Paul miss five or more games? The over-under five-and-a-half games miss. Like You you take the over-five-and-a-half missed for sure. If it's at ten-and-a-half, you probably go, it's, it's probably right on even though he's missed three games over two years. Three games over two years means you are closer to getting another injury versus you will just continue to miss one and a half games on average every year. That is not how injuries work. That's not how health works. That's not how aging works. So it's been great for Chris Paul. Doesn't mean it continues. And if he goes down and he misses time, Devin Booker's value goes up. Usage goes up. Assist rate goes up. It boosts the value of Mikael Bridges. It boosts Aiton's value, despite you know, the assumption last year was, oh, Aiton's going to feast now that he's playing with Chris Paul. And that obviously wasn't the case. But I think it improves his usage there. So a Paul injury, which I do think, not that I think he's going to come, I just think he's going to miss more than two games. He played 70 games last year. I think if you expect 80 games out of Chris Paul, you're kidding yourself. Maybe he plays 72. And that enables some of those other guys to get a little bit of an extra boost in the value that, that maybe they um, maybe they missed out on last season. If you or anyone you know suffers from hyperhidrosis, Excessive sweating. I've got just the product for you. It is Sweatblock, the doctor-created, doctor-recommended formula that is stronger than most clinical antiperspirants out there. You may have seen it advertised on the Rachel Ray Show. It goes in there. You wipe it under your arms, and you get covered for up to seven days. What a remarkable product. It's It's been around for ages, over 10 years, over 13,000 reviews on this product as well. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at CVS, and you can also get it directly from sweatblock.com by using our promo code uh, Locked On. You get 20%. So sweatblock.com. The promo code is locked on, and you get 20% off. These wipes are great. You wipe them under your arm before you go to bed, wake up the next morning, and you're set. Have a shower, go to work, go to school, go to catch up with your friends, if you're allowed to do that in your part of the world. You can go and do all of those things 
and feel confident that you're not going to have those embarrassing sweat stains. So go to sweatblock.com and use our promo code locked on and you save 20% off your sweat block order. Go to sweatblock.com, use that promo code locked on. You might be at home watching football on TV. So you've got one thing to watch your live sports. And then you've got another when you go and want to go watch some premium drama on HBO later on in the day. Then you've got another program where you've got to go get your friends, log in to go watch your Netflix or whatever it is that you're going to watch. And then you watch highlights on your phone. There's too much clutter. There's too much. It's, it's stuff everywhere. It's all over the place. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle together. Get it all together. It is called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your favorite live TV and on-demand shows together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, or TV shows all in one place. No more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Just one T in there, by the way. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Let's look at some breakout candidates for the Phoenix Suns. And it was tough to come up with who I was going to put on this list for them. I've got Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges there. Johnson, probably the most obvious one. We've spoken about him already. I think there is a chance. I don't think they start this way, but there is a chance he does take over this starting power forward position. I don't think he's got the highest fantasy upside because of a lack of steals, blocks, assists, probably low usage. Um, and for a guy that's he heralded as this elite three-point shooter, he shot under 35% from three last year. So just bear that in mind. Devin Booker, yeah, these guys, we go, look at a good three-point shooter. Devin Booker, Trey Young, they didn't shoot particularly well from three either. That's not to say um, Johnson's a poor three-point shooter because the volume he takes and the, the worry you have to have with him out there is immense. But he's not Joe Harris. He's not Steph Curry. He's not Joe Ingles. These aren't 40-plus guys consistently. He might get there, but he isn't that yet. Bridges is the other one who, if any other situation, any other team, I'd be really like, bang, absolutely hammering this for Bridges. Absolutely hammering it. But I just don't know, unless there is a Chris Paul injury, how he can take that next step forward. I want him to be at least get to 20, 21% usage. Yeah, peak Otto Porter is what he can get to. And I think he's better than what Otto Porter was at his, his peak. So I'm putting Bridges' name here, but I just, I'm not really confident that the Suns are going to be able to ramp his usage up enough for that to come uh, come together in a really big way, which is unfortunate because I love Bridges. He's one of my favorite players in the entire NBA, and we're going to talk about him. Actually, we'll do that right now because uh, some of his fantasy value is a little bit uh, all over the shop. Let's talk sleepers, Yahoo, ESPN, and Fantrax. Cameron Payne, let's start with him. He's the backup point guard. He was key in the NBA Finals, yet he's ranked uh, 301st on Yahoo. He was 198th last year in 18 minutes. ESPN has him unranked, and Fantrax has him unranked as well. I'm not really sure what they're doing. He was 198th in 18 minutes. Remember, Chris Paul missed two games. If Chris Paul misses 10 games, 20 games, and Cameron Payne plays 28 minutes a night, and he's a must-roster player. You, I think you should be drafting him in every 14-team league. He's got a regular every-night role. He can play alongside Chris Paul. And then there is scope for him to get more minutes later on. It's not just about like an Andre Drummond scenario where you go, well, when Embiid is out, Drummond puts up good numbers. And then the other games, he's useless because Payne is going to have value on his own as a backup and playing alongside Paul. And then there's scope to that for that to get even better. And having him at 301 is insanity. It's not as insane as having Mikhail Bridges at 145 ESPN. I'm not really sure what you're doing there. Last season, Bridges played 33 minutes a night. Giggity. He was the 69th ranked player. I hit that giggity too early. 
In points leagues, granted, he is not as good. He was 108th in Yahoo um, Yahoo points leagues last season. But you know, looking at him at 145, there's something way off. And as I continue to say for ESPN, now he was 89th in ESPN's points system last year, by the way. So they're expecting him to be unbelievably worse. But if you play a category league in ESPN, their points leagues get rankings get preloaded into the draft room. Where should Bridges be drafted? No later than 75. I would... Look, he, he clearly has top 50 upside. Whether he gets there, this not remains to be seen. And the problem... Part of the issue with Bridges, 145 on ESPN is insane. He's at 51 on Yahoo and 55 on Fantrax. And I'm not quite sure that that's the right value spot either. It might be a little bit too high. He was 69th last season. Now, people will be overrating him because he doesn't get any turnovers. And you know how I feel about judging guys based on turnovers. If you want to judge guys based on turnovers, then you're drafting Trey Young in round four. Simple as that, because that's where he was. And if you believe that drafting Trey Young at round four is the right idea, then by all means, keep turnovers as part of your evaluation of where players are. If you think Trey Young is like a top 20 to 24 player, then take turnovers off. I think that is a, that, that, that is a great illustration of why that's a bullshit number to be considering when drafting and ranking guys. Anyway, but Bridges with turnovers um, yeah, is a much higher option because you know, he doesn't turn the ball over because he doesn't handle it. He doesn't have high usage. So that might lead you to inflate his value. So just be really careful with that. Um, I don't think at 50, I'd be taking him. 65, 70, no problem. 50 is probably a bit high for uh, Mikhail. DeAndre Ayton's at 59 on ESPN. He was 52nd last year. They're expecting him to be worse. Don't really know why. I guess they're looking at it from their points league perspective where he was 67th, but I still think he can be better than that. Now, Ayton is a little bit of a better category league guy than a points league guy. Um... 59 is is way too high. Yahoo's got him at 31. And while I look at him and my projected rank, and I talked about this on one of the shows yesterday. I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the Spurs show. Spurs fantasy show talking about rankings and projections and how you weigh that up in a draft. I have at the moment 8 and 31. All right, that's fine. I don't know if I'd feel super confident taking him there. That's where Yahoo's got him ranked as well, coincidentally. I don't know if I'd feel super confident taking him there because I'm looking at it and going, well, I, I think there'll be a little bit of a boost in minutes and I think there'll be a little bit of a boost in usage, but it might not. So if I could push him to 40, that's still an improvement on last year, but it's not taking him at maybe that value at 31. So that is an interesting one. Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson, I don't know what these rankings are. 194 on Yahoo and 248 on ESPN. Crowder ranked 161st last year in 27 minutes. Again, fine as a late, late round guy. And then Johnson, 209 on Yahoo and 262 on ESPN. Fantrax has got them right. They're both ADP at 163. And I think that's sort of about the right area. But 209 on Yahoo for Cam Johnson's insane. And 262 on, on ESPN's insane. Now, Johnson is a much worse points league guy than category league player, in my opinion. And he wasn't particularly great last year. He wasn't a top 200 guy. But we're trying to bake in a little bit of upside here in, into hoping that he can get... Uh, hoping he can get a few more minutes for this upcoming season. Um, but those numbers uh, are pretty ridiculous. Like, to me, he's a 12-team consideration player, Johnson, not a guy that you have on the outside of a 14 or 16-team league or an you know, 18-team league in, in the way that, that ESPN ranking sits. Let's, um, let's look at some fantasy busts. And this is one of these ones where, honestly, I, I couldn't find anyone that was too highly ranked. No, nobody really stood out to me there. You know, Chris Paul... His rank is 28 on ESPN, 26 on Yahoo, and 32 on Fantrax. 
Yeah, on a per game basis, I've got him like end of the second round. So they've pushed it back a little bit. And I think that's totally the right spot. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I don't think anyone's too... Yeah, maybe I could say Bridges at 51 is a little bit too high. But not really. Landry Shamit at 215 on ESPN. Is that too high? Probably. But it also is not all that consequential. So I don't really think there's anyone that's a massive um, a massive bust on this team. But yeah, that's fine. We don't have to have busts everywhere. We don't have to create busts just for the sake of creating busts. But if you want parts for your car, the best place to go is rockauto.com. You don't want to go to a local chain auto parts store and wait in line. Get in your car first. Drive there. Wait in line. Talk to the guy behind the counter. Wait while he tells you he's got to order the parts. And then he's only got the parts that are available in his warehouse. Get, get out of here. Rock Auto's got the full range. Whatever you need, and there's no need for you to spend 30, 50, 70, even 100% more for the exact same parts for your car or truck, whether it's brake parts, motor oil, tail lamps, even new carpet. Rock Auto has everything. They are an online family business that have been serving auto parts customers for the last 20 years. So go to rockauto.com and find all the parts available for your car or truck. And in there, how did you hear about us box? Right, locked on, so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. That brings us into deep league flyers or last picks in standard leagues. And I've got Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. I'm putting those guys together. Happy to take them round 13, round 14 in that 140 to 165 type of range in drafts. I think that's totally fine. In a deep league, JaVale McGee is going to be the backup center. JaVale McGee can come in and block shots and have high field goal percentage. That has inherent value in fantasy leagues. Now, whether that's enough to make him a draftable guy outside of 20-team leagues? Probably not. But he's still a guy that is you know, 267 on ESPN, 248 on Yahoo. And I think he's got a little bit more, more value there with a pretty defined role. Then if you want to take a real flyer, it is Jalen Smith, the number 10 overall pick from last season. I don't particularly think Smith is a great player. I think he struggled last year. I thought he did some of his counting stats looked good in summer league, but I wasn't still enamored with his level of play. There is a chance that he can take minutes away from McGee slash Abdul Nadir in the bench rotation. And if you want to get really fancy, like he's the youngest player on this team by far. And you could take a flyer and see if they work him into the rotation. I am not particularly high on him at this point, but that's fine. That's what taking a flyer on someone is. And you might believe more in Jalen Smith than I do. There is the ability for him to stretch out a little bit and hit threes, but he's going to need for them to go in. And he's going to need to be able to do something defensively and, and offensively. He's just he's a very big work in progress at this point in his career. And that's fine because he is only young. Let's look at the rest of these players on this squad. And we'll start with Devin Booker, who it was a pretty big disappointment last year. The 45th ranked player who I thought could still be a second round guy, even with Chris Paul there. But things didn't work particularly well. And it was a great illustration of, of that point that I bring up all the time. When you are elite at something, and Devin Booker was absolutely elite at free throw percentage, right? He was unbelievable. He got to the line a ton and he hit basically everything. In the 1920 season, Dev, if I bring my screen up incorrectly, I'm just going to redo that and then uh, and then I'll talk more. But Devin Booker in the 1920 season, I hope I got my numbers correct here. I hope I'm just not talking out of my ass. Let's bring up the stats. Yes, in the 1920 season, he hit 92% of his free throws uh, on seven attempts per game, an absolutely elite level of production along with 27 points per game. Booker only dropped one point per game this year. He went from 26.6 to 25.6, but he went from the 12th best player to the 45th best player because that 92 free throws went to 87 and 87 is great. It is fantastic. 
but it's not 92. And it's like I say with the blocks, you go from, or Jimmy Butler steals, you go from 2.5 steals to 2.1 steals. Still awesome. It's not great. It's not the best. And you go from 3.4 blocks from Miles Turner to 2.7, you still lead the league, but it's not as good. And you go to 92 on seven attempts to 87 on six attempts, it cuts your value right down. You go from six and a half assists to 4.3 assists like Booker did, and you lose all this value. And you're in the same boat this year. Now, maybe the free throws go back up, not attempts, but at least percentage, because he started out really poorly on free throw attempts last year, Booker, and improved as the season went on. Um, but will the assists get back to six a game? It feels unlikely, although we were speaking with Brendan in the show earlier today. He was like, I think that they will get a little bit more of that ball into Booker's hands to facilitate rather than relying upon Chris Paul so much. So much like Aiton, I think we're sort of splitting the difference here. We're not looking at him as an early second round guy where he was three years in a row, Booker was 21st, 17th and 12th in category league rankings. Like awesome second round guy. But I'm also not looking at him as the 45th ranked player. I think third round is probably the right area for Devin Booker this year. His ADP, um, he's got 27 on fan tracks, which is about right, I think. He's 36 on Yahoo and 37 on ESPN, so that's third round. Yeah, that's about the right area. That's expecting some level of improvement for him as well. In a points league, he was 44th last year. I'm not expecting him to jump into third round territory over there, though. More, more of that early fourth round. McGee, I've spoken about there. Abdul Nadir. Um, probably in the rotation, but not a lot that we need to look at with him. I think he's a solid player. He is already 28, though, but he's got a role to fill this season, but that could be taken over by Jalen Smith. You've got Landry Shamet, who is, on a permanent basis, a pretty poor fantasy player and someone who does get overrated at times. I'm not really interested in him in any situation. While Frank Kaminsky and Alfred Payton really shouldn't play at all, Honestly, they played way too much for their respective teams last year. Kaminsky on the Suns and Payton on the Knicks, but they're not going to have too many opportunities this year. And then you've got Chandler Hutchison, who was complaining that the um, when the Bulls traded him to the Wizards, eh, look what happens when you let me play. You guys made a huge mistake. And now he's been traded again and cut and signed as a two-way guy. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess maybe the Bulls may have been correct in that deal. He's a two-way guy. And then there's Dario Saric, who they are um, not expecting to play this year with a torn ACL. He would have been their backup center slash power forward, and, and that'll do it. For the Phoenix Suns, guys. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. On YouTube, give me a thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Tomorrow, we're doing the Raptors. We're doing the Washington Wizards as well. Then there is a sleeper show and a mock draft coming this week and then wrapping up the team preview series with the Golden State Warriors. That's what's on tap at this point, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.